Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. Today's guest, CEO of Zonoff, Mike Harris. Smart guy. You want to listen? Stay tuned. Hey everyone, Mike Wolf here with the Smart Home Show. Thank you for joining us. Today's guest is Mike Harris, who is the CEO of Zonoff. If you haven't heard of Zonoff, that's probably because they don't sell direct-to-consumer smart home products. They're not like a Belkin or a Vera or SmartThings or you name it. They're a company that powers products. And the the biggest name product, the, probably the product that you know of that they're powering, is the Staples Connect smart home line where they've created this, so the client software is also, and also the, the cloud software to power that solution. And Mike's actually a really smart guy. He's been around the block quite a bit in this whole connected home. We, we talk a little bit about some of the things he's done, some of the companies he started. He's been running in a lot of the same circles that I have for the past decade or so. So we, we reminisce a little bit. And then we talk about and we get down to the nitty-gritty with Smart Home and where he sees it going. And you'll want to listen because Mike's a really smart guy. Uh, I've always enjoyed talking to him. And this is just a good uh, showcase of some of the things he's thinking and where Zonoff is going. So I think you want to listen to this one. Hey, if you want to listen to more Smart Home Shows, please subscribe to the Smart Home Show. Just look for us at iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud. Or go to technology.fm, the hub for uh, this podcast and a few others. And you can find it there. You'll find out where to subscribe by just clicking on the Smart Home Show icon. You'll find the shows there to listen to if you like as well as where to subscribe. As always, the Smart Home Show is brought to you by Next Market Insights, the leading market research firm in the connected home and smart home. We just put out a new report on the home security space and DIY home security and all those things. So you can check it out, get a free executive summary there at nextmarket.co as well. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. My name is Michael Wolf, and here's my conversation with Mike Harris. Hey, well, Mike Harris, thanks for joining me on a Friday afternoon. Oh, I'm happy to be here. You know, we've had uh, a few conversations, and I always find talking to you uh, very informative and enlightening. Uh, but before we kind of get into you spending some of your, your gold, tell us a little bit about your company. You're with Zonoff. Yes. Uh, um, just a high-level overview of Zonoff. We are a software platform company, kind of a behind-the-scenes technology supplier that uh, brings a connected home or smart home software solution to consumers through big-name brands, uh, a variety of different channels to consumers, whether that's uh, retail or service providers or device makers that have established channels to reach consumers. So we're the guys that power the stuff behind the scenes. Yeah, and I think a lot of people became aware of you guys late last year when Staples announced the Staples Connect platform, which you guys are powering. 
Yeah, that's correct. I mean, they launched that in uh, in th- around Thanksgiving time, you know, right before the holidays. Obviously, uh, a tough time to disrupt retail, but uh, but it was great to get it in the market. You know, reception's been great, um, and that's that's a very typical customer, a big name, you know, multi billion dollar company that has that you know the traction and the ability to to reach that mass market consumer. But they're certainly not your your first customer, and you guys have been around for a few years. But before that, you you actually ran in some of the same circles or kind of swam in the same waters uh, that I was looking at in terms of connected home and, and over the top video and such. You were with Digital Five, and then uh, you were with a company called Divic. So you've kind of had a, a history of being doing interesting stuff in the consumer space. Yeah, it, it's interesting. A, a bunch of us here, you know, kind of the core core team has been around for you know twenty years and even more than twenty years in some cases. I mean, we went all the way back to. You know, the early days of DVD where, you know, my first startup really became a dominant supplier of technology in that space. So so we've been doing this for, for close to 20 years with mass market, uh, you know, consumer electronics products and slowly moving from, you know, optical disks to, you know, connecting things in home networks to connecting things to the Internet. And now it's really about connecting everything to the Internet. For the staples implementation, you had a specific uh, product you rolled out in terms of their the hub that you created the client software for, and you also provide the the cloud backend software. Um, so talk about that, and then I want to talk a little bit about how um, you know maybe things may evolve over time with the smart home because we've had conversations about the hub in particular. But first, talk about the the architecture for the Staples solution. Yeah, so you know the the Staples relationship started for us uh, about 18 months ago. Um, it's been a great relationship, you know, very uh, forward thinking company. I, I think we were really surprised when, when we first were introduced to them, it's like, really Staples, you want to get into this connected home. But when, when we started to talk to them and understood they had a real vision to drive, you know, a whole new category into the store, the fact that they were, you know, second largest internet retailer in the world and, and the amount of outreach they had, um, even the ability to go target the small office, home office space, which has been completely underserved, you know, we got pretty excited. Um, so, you know, behind the scenes, we, we provide the full platform. So that's everything from the software that's embedded inside the hub uh, to the full cloud services component for remote access and communications with the consumer. And then ultimately all the way through to the apps, you know, and, and a real full featured app selection. So, uh, you know, iPhone app, native iPad app, Android apps, you know, web user interface and, and going forward, everything from, you know, uh, connected TVs and smartwatches, uh, you name it. I think that's that's really the goal. Now, you know, as you mentioned, we we're not a hardware company. We, we provide the technology that will run on hardware. And looking at the type of consumer that Staples was looking to, to serve, um, it was really important for them to focus on, you know, what we call are the, the brands that matter, you know, establishing that consumer trust that, you know, if they're going to invest in these type of platform, bring it into their home um, to use something that, that really establishes that that trust level with with the regular user. Um, so partnered uh, with Linksys. So Linksys is actually manufacturing that yeah. hub. Uh, you know, great name in in connected devices, um, al- along with a, a bunch of really high profile device vendors. A really strong ecosystem, literally hundreds of products from some of the best and, and biggest brands in connected products. And you know, it's, it was launched on Thanksgiving. We're here in in May. So how how are things progressing in terms of the overall rollout? 
Well, I think we couldn't be happier. The, the reception's been great. You know, we continue to, to roll out new features and capabilities, a bunch of new device vendors uh, with more coming all the time. Um, just at CES this past January, you know, Staples announced a, a pretty broad expansion with a, with a bunch of new players coming. So um, there will continue to be a, a bunch of exciting news, you know, in the next, you know, month to through the rest of the year uh, around expansions in that program. You guys are certainly talking to lots of other potential partners because that's what you do. You provide um, an infrastructure and, and software uh, on which others can roll out branded smart home and Internet of Things platforms. So without you know naming names necessarily, clearly you're under uh, agreements not to do that yet for ones you haven't rolled out. But what are you, what are you seeing in terms of uh, interest and what are you know? How are these? How how would you characterize these talks? Or what are some of the the things that people want to do in terms of rolling out new and interesting services? Well, the the one thing we're seeing is that uh, you know it seems like everybody in the space wants to participate, wants to have a play, and and they all want it yesterday, which which obviously is a, a great indicator. I think the consumer awareness is is clearly building, um, but everybody of course has their own ideas and how can they differentiate their platform and build on the the strengths they already have, whether that's uh, traditional consumer electronics companies that want to make this a, an extension of the, the brand they already have with consumers and the entertainment experience, um, other big retailers that you know are already selling products or connected products into the consumer, or even uh, a bunch of service providers, you know, even folks that you know may have traditionally entered this connected space through uh, security platforms that realize that uh, some of this uh, what we call self-install or handyman install type platforms really ha- are, are either complementary or, or certainly disruptive. So something that, you know, they need to take a very hard look at uh, adding to their portfolio. So you actually see potentially um, self-installable solutions coming from service providers who, who, like you said, have oftentimes put their first foot forward with a managed security-centric smart home offering, oftentimes built on things like eye control. You're seeing interest from folks like that who may want to expand into the DIY space? Uh, we, we're seeing a, a lot of folks that that are looking very close at that and have some pl- you know plans underway to to go do that. I I think what we're seeing is you know clearly there's a, a market push to get into that both from a cost perspective and from a simplicity perspective and and it's such a low barrier to entry. I mean people can uh, you know walk into a store, walk out for under a hundred dollars with with something that works today. Um, you know that's that's clearly disruptive to you know some of the other models. If if the only approach you have is one that you know requires people to sign up for for multiple years and and a sizable monthly fee, and and honestly, I think some of them see this as complementary, where maybe they get started with a very lightweight solution, but ultimately see value to that uh, monitoring solution and have that as a as an upgrade path, almost a, a customer acquisition tool rather than you know the end all be all with the with the single solution. Yeah, I was at the cable show last week talking to pretty much the the biggest cable guys about their smart home rollouts and asked them exactly about that, right? So I asked them about the DIY category and what that means to them because they are they are a little bit up kind of that evolution path or kind of up the up the the pole pole a little bit in terms of cost and, and commitment. And I think it was the um the gal who ran Cox uh smart home program that said, yeah, she sees DIY as a potential entry point at, at which the people start, and then maybe they can evolve later and grow into like a managed solution. 
Well, it, it certainly, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. And, and one of the things that we're seeing, particularly with uh, traditional service providers, is, you know, they've, um, I think they approached it where, hey, we have trucks, you know, we can roll, we have an installer base that, that we can leverage for this. Um, but when you look at a full, you know, smart home, connected home solution, that standard uh, cable installer, you know, isn't quite enough. Um, you know, maybe they can act as a general contractor in effect, um, but but you need an electrician if you're going to do uh, the the outdoor light switches, which are obviously you know a critical value add for a, a security service. Or you need a plumber or an HVAC technician. You need a pretty broad array of skill sets that you know aren't already available for, you know, a TV provider, for example. So, so it's not, you know, as simple as, as, uh, as just, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll throw something else in the truck and, and we're off to the races. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting conversation when you start to think about and put yourself in the consumer's shoes, because um, I think a lot of consumers over the next few years are going to go out and buy point solutions um, go to retail, buy something that is essentially a smart home device or a smart home node, and they may accumulate these over time. And at least where we are today, there's no like central fra- fabric that connects them all. I mean, people are certainly trying. Uh, you know, you have, have smart things, and and I think you know with staples and, and these folks. But I think that there's still going to be a lot of uh, folks who are accumulating these collections of smart devices, and they there may be a lot of different apps that try to connect to these. And at some point, they may throw their hands up in there and say, well, listen, I, I, this is a lot. Um, I want uh, to manage these more centrally. Um, at least that's one theory. I think that could be one theory or at least something that the service providers are betting on. Um, but I still think there's this kind of headwind that the service providers are going to face in, in that I think people don't want another necessarily um, fee in addition to the triple play that they're paying for. So I guess it's really going to be interesting to see how this rolls out because I think there's a couple things in their favor, but I also think there's this uh, pushback against more more service fees. Well, I think at the end of the day, it really just comes down to value. Um, you know, trying to force people all into one box, you know, is challenging. But you know, if consumers find value, you know, and there's lots of alternatives, you know, ultimately, you know, they'll go where they find value. Um, and and so, you know, clearly there's a, there's a bunch of great platforms that are appearing with no monthly fee as as a base. But there's certainly premium services that that I think consumers will, would would be willing to pay for that make a ton of sense, you know, in that environment. But but certainly, you know, trying to get everybody to drive to you know a, a big a big chunk on you know your credit card every month, you know, that's that's going to leave a, a, a sizable segment of the market out for sure. You know, one of the most interesting areas is security, and I think there's like a whole bunch of innovation going on around what I would call kind of a self-installable security. There's a, there's a startup here in Seattle that uh, I've written about called Corner. It's really interesting. It brings the cost of security down literally below $100 for at least some level of home awareness, right? And then you have a lot of guys who are creating appliances that are high on sensory, high on, you have some video incorporated, uh, like the Scouts and the and the – the other the other guys in in the space as well. So, what do you think of that space? Do you think that's a particular area that's going to see a lot of innovation in the next few years? Well, I, for us, it, it's not really a, a different space necessarily. Yeah. I, I think the the general capability to do uh, home monitoring, you know, peace of mind applications, 
or convenience or energy management. I mean, it, it all kind of is in the same big bucket yeah. of, of home control, home automation. What we are seeing is a market that, while still early and, and emerging, is already uh, finding uh, market segmentation. You know, I look at a lot of those packages um, and I almost compare them again, you know, my background in consumer electronics to uh, what I call home theater in a box. Uh, you know, the solution where you can walk into, you know, an electronics store and walk out with everything all together, you speakers, cables, everything. You just pull it out and you're, you're ready to go versus a, a separate model where, yeah, you want to buy an AV receiver and a separate, you know, Blu-ray player and whatever and, and build the components. Um, for us, I, I think that's, that's really intriguing because then you can service uh, a really broad array of folks, whether it's, uh, you know, the, the renters, you know, people in, in apartments, um, all the way up to, you know, large homes. Um, you know, new home construction is, a, is another great way to reach out to consumers, um, you know, when, when this is built right in. Uh, the fact is there's no one right way it's going to, you know, reach consumers. There's no one right package. You know, obviously, our role is is to try to be that software infrastructure that can power all of those different solutions in a very compelling way. Yeah, that's interesting. The home theater in the box analogy makes a lot of sense. Kind of an all in one. I'm we're calling them here at Nextmark the home, basically home security appliances. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about because we've talked about um, this idea of embedding smart home control intelligence into certain devices. I mean, the the if you look at the market data, if you snapshotted it in 2014, so many of these are built around hubs um, because that's really necessary, at least today. But maybe two or three years from now, it might be an it might be a situation where you see smart home intelligence built into your set top box or into a smart TV. So, you know, you're having lots of conversations. You're also thought about this space a lot. Where do you see the kind of the central control point being in the future? Um, or what are some examples of different devices that you see that can evolve into? Yeah, again, you know, it's it's the same thing that's happened uh, repeatedly in in traditional consumer electronics. You know, the whether it's the standalone audio players, where now streaming audio has become a standard feature. You know, you can't go and buy an HD TV that doesn't have. Uh, internet video services built right in or a game console or, or a whole variety of, of platforms. Y- yes, you can still go buy, you know, the standalone Roku box or various others, but, you know, and that's where you can maybe find some of the innovation. This this market, we see the same way. You know, is there a market for hubs? Absolutely. You know, you'll see innovation there, and I, I think it's interesting. But, you know, we're already seeing, we've, I mean, we've been demonstrating it for several years now, where this hub-type functionality is just a feature in some other always-on appliance inside the home. Um, whether we've demoed it in Wi-Fi routers, we've demoed it in set-top boxes, you know, built right into HDTVs, network-attached storage devices, cameras. I think really the, there's a very, very wide opportunity to roll this out, you know, even roll it out as just a software update get, that gets pushed down to devices that you may already have in your home. Um, that's that's a really exciting opportunity. You know, part of what we've done, you know, from a technology perspective to really enable that is, you know, bring out some technology to allow us to separate the radios and the protocols from necessarily that that core intelligence that can be running in some other device. That gives us, you know, two benefits. One, you can buy a, a standard hardware device that that has this capability to be the intelligence 
and have a very inexpensive add-on to add the radios. And it also adds the ability to future-proof other capabilities where now if a new radio or protocol emerges and is pretty exciting, you know, you can go and with an inexpensive add-on, bring that on without, you know, getting rid of the whole system. I remember it, it was probably CES 2007 uh, 2006 talking to, with Janie Sow, one of the co-founders of Linksys. And at the time they were saying, they were talking about a big rollout of home automation. And I think what they realized it was a little bit too early to start integrating home automation into their mass market routers. But I'm seeing that as a real opportunity now. So what do you think of like the, 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 the broadband modem, the router um, that just makes a lot of sense as a potential. And you're already starting to see it a little bit from some startups as well. But I mean, do you see that as a potential, uh, integration or control point for smart home well i mean we we've showed that a, a year and a half ago with a yep. at ces with with one of the biggest uh, wi-fi router vendors obviously we partner very closely with all those guys as as hardware vendors that that we work together with so inevitably i mean you'll see that in mass market this year from from some of the big names um it's really just a, a matter of uh, price points, you know, all, what you see in routers, you see good, better, best, you see different differentiation, of whether it's number of antennas or radio protocols and so on. I, I think this is another way to further differentiate, you know, lines of products. Um, you know, clearly on the low end of the Wi-Fi router space, there you're looking, you know, at optimization to, to strip out every penny of cost that you can to be very competitive on price point. But at the you know at the middle tier or the hot top tier of those devices, this is a great feature to have as an add-on. Um, so I think everybody in the space is looking at that. I think that'll be a natural space. But again, still having the hub as an available option in case you know just last year you bought a brand new Wi-Fi router and aren't looking to replace it. You know, we saw um, go back three or four years. You know, there was little, and it's actually still a problem today. Like there's so many apps. And our, our phones are becoming overwhelmed with apps for very focused on, on uh, certain a- a types of services, etc. And and now with these new connected devices rolling out, there's an app for every one. And so I would imagine over time um, there's going to be an overload of apps on people's phones to control these different connected devices. So there's going to be a call for unifying them into like a central app framework. Clearly, there are some smart home platform guys who who want to do that today. What do you see is going to happen around that, particularly on the client software and the app software? Well, it's a it's an interesting space, and I think we take a, a bit of a hybrid approach there. I mean, clearly, app fatigue, as as I think people come, have come to call it, is a real problem. You know, if you're an early adopter and you start buying all these point solutions with individual apps, you know, you run into that. You've got two pages easily, you know, on your tablet or your phone, um, and you know. That's annoying to begin with, but what makes it really annoying is when those devices don't talk to each other and suddenly now, you know, I've got a bunch of smart devices, but they're, they're not smart together. And, and that concept of, of smarter together is, is to me really a, a critical part of, of bringing value to the whole experience. Now, that's a big part of what we do. So we have a, a really comprehensive app framework where we can offer with all of our different customers, you know, their own unique look and feel and the way to to, to optimize it for their given channel. Um, But at the same time, you know, we take an approach where we partner very closely with our ecosystem partners and really try to understand what their needs and wants are for their own platform. 
I think what what we're finding is these connected device makers that are doing it, you know, they're very concerned about the consumer experience, the security, um, all of those things. And, and in fact, even their business models of how they go interoperate, you know, if they're just going to put a product out and let somebody else own entirely that app experience, you know, that defeats, you know, many of their business models fundamentally. And so finding a hybrid approach, which, which is what we're pursuing, where you can get the benefit to the consumer of a unified experience and the interoperability, but when you want to dive in and get a deeper experience and really experience some of the uniqueness of a given product, that's available too. So it's almost like an app partnership, in effect, is what the, what the consumer will ultimately see. And it preserves branding and so on because otherwise these device vendors – they're not going to participate because they're just going to be commoditized or viewed as commodity products. We talked a little bit about your app framework. We also have uh, a cloud solution that is in part uh, oftentimes or it is a critical component that allows for analytics, allows for uh, connecting to all the devices and managing them. So can you give some, some more specifics on what that entails and what that, what value that brings? Yeah, it's, you know, it. uh, you know, fundamentally having a, a highly scalable platform out there with high reliability, you know, I, clearly that's that's fundamental to, you know, any platform in the space. You know, the fact that we're behind the scenes powering solutions for multi-billion dollar companies, you know, it gives us a, an, an extra burden because, you know, we have uh, these folks looking our, over our shoulder, you know, really making sure that we're doing things all the right way from a scalability perspective, from a security perspective, all of those things. So that gives us, you know, great confidence. And, and you know, we've, we've built these types of scalable infrastructures before and rolled them out in the consumer market. So, so have a lot of confidence in, in what we're doing there. Now, at a technology basis, there's a ton of stuff there, obviously, that's consumer-facing. It's a, a, a notifications platform, a communications platform to let people know what's happening in their home or, or small office, um, you know, whether it's alerts or just notifications. Um, there's the remote access piece, which, uh, of, of course, is a given, you know, for whether it's uh, just individual device control or live streaming camera and recorded video and so on. But there's also all the, you know, what are our channel partners facing technologies as well. And that's the ability to do um, uh, remote, you know, customer support and capabilities there to help people diagnose problems, uh, metrics and analytics to, to help understand how people are using the platform in kind of an aggregated way to improve services and add more value to that. And then ultimately, I mean, that becomes a big part of our recommendation engine. So we can go and, you know, in a very uh, targeted and intelligent way, help people get more out of their platforms um, by by reaching out to them directly and say, hey, you know, you know, you as a consumer, you know, you look and act like somebody very concerned about peace of mind applications. You know, did you know you could do you know X, Y, or Z, or add device X, Y, or Z to to increase the value of your platform? You know, that's where this gets to be very exciting. Verizon had a, a smart home offering out in the market for a year or two, built on Four Home, which is an old, an older platform. I think that made its way through Motorola, and they pulled it off the market and then re-rolled. Uh, they basically are now going to come out again, I think. And I think part of the reason they pulled their original one off, it was built around an older platform. So can you talk about, I think as, as service providers look to roll out solutions and they want to scale, um, you know, they, they're looking for modern platforms and looking for platforms that then can't, can roll out 
and not only manage a lot of services, but then kind of also um, uh, roll out new and different types of services over time. Do you think? Would you say that's a true statement? We're, we're seeing an awful lot of that in the market. Um, yeah, I think a, a, a number of those companies that have, were out early deserve an, an enormous amount of credit for taking those chances and going out, ex, you know, exploring the market, learning, you know, in it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the, those those leaders are the ones that also get the arrows in the back, unfortunately, because you know they they're out there before you know the market has evolved and and what we're finding is that now that that there's been so much learning you know there's better products that are coming and so on a number of them are, are reevaluating their strategy and trying to look for um, maybe an improved way to do some of the things that that they wanted to do but maybe couldn't do with it with their first uh, first generation choices so I think you'll see second generation uh, in a number of, of places some even are, are moving on to third generation choices and it's around a few things. It's around uh, scalability of the platform. I think it is is areas that people have run into challenges. Um, a big, big problem that we see uh, broadly faced by by players is um, the ability to rapidly grow the ecosystem. Uh, I think a, a number of folks maybe have in in the early platform providers underestimated how important it was to be able to rapidly integrate services and devices into the system in a very secure and, you know, uh, capable way. Um, and so, you know, that, that ends up, you know, these people that have, you know, taken leadership positions are, you know, in some cases even falling behind, you know, and, and that I think is, has frustrated a lot of them. I think you're probably familiar with being early, early to market and taking arrows in the back. I think with Digital five. Can you relate to that? <laughs> uh, well, and that's and that's the thing. I mean, you can have the the greatest solution in the world uh, and uh, DLNA and all of those technologies. And again, you know, it's a uh, it's a problem that the consumers weren't ready to go solve at the time. Back, you know, in the early two thousands, doing you know streaming music and streaming media stuff that we you know take for granted today. Um, but back then, you know, what? How did people, you know, begin to really move uh, audio around the house and, and video around the house? They just moved their iPod from room to room, and ultimately, then their iPhone. And you know, then now suddenly you see AirPlay and other technologies, and it's it's nothing new, but it's packaged in a way that's very consumer capable. Uh, and and now you've got uh, you know very broad adoption. So yeah, it's. Timing is is really one of those critical things. I've been, you know, fortunate in my career to be part of a couple of great successes where where we were really there at the right time. You know, other times where we were just too early, you know, trying to solve a problem before the market really emerged. Um, that's, you know, I think that's where right where we are, you know, uh, at the cusp of in in this market as well is is it's uh, everybody sees it just about to take off, um, and it's it's not quite there, but but it feels really close. Yeah, just to remind people or, or people who are who hadn't heard of Digital Five, uh, my understanding it was a it was a software company for connected audio devices, right? And and this was like in the early two thousands or kind of mids. Yeah, it was it was it was connected audio and, and connected video products. So Got we it. did you know streaming media for yep. and and customers like Netgear and Philips that yep. had launched uh, digital media adapters as they were called back then. Uh, some great products, but again, I think the the market was very early. I mean, uh, you know, back in in the late nineties with my uh, my company Ravison Technologies, where we were a real leader in the DVD. I mean, we had connected DVD players with web browsers built in. Talk about early. <laughs> Wow, really early. 
Yeah, that's crazy. And, you know, that was like we talk about an early market where there are products that are essentially – that get migrated in or kind of pulled into existing devices. The digital media adapter, the DMA, DMA that you mentioned, yeah, at the time you had to do that. But now everything has a, a Wi-Fi connection on it and everything has a network connection. So you, the DMA basically got pulled in. That's solution. That What that did got pulled into basically every electronics device. It did. I, in, in fact, my last company, uh, Any Source Media, that, that we sold back in 2009 to DivX, um, that's exactly what we did. We were a software platform for connected TV vendors. You know, and ultimately that rolled out with, with companies like uh, LG and their Blu-ray players and TV sets and such. So, so again, it was about powering solution for these big players. But, you know, uh, the guys like Anthony at, at Roku deserve a, a tremendous amount of credit for that, that uh, persistence and perseverance to, to go from, you know, you know, when they were around at the very beginning doing those streaming audio and, and video products and just staying with it and staying with it to, to what's a, a great successful company now. Yeah, and I think he's on the right track trying to make um, – go from having Roku be a, a discrete standalone box and it will continue to be for some time I think – to making uh, Roku a platform for other smart TV providers. And I hope he's continuing to fight that good fight. I hope he, he wins there because I think it it's necessary to have an alternative to things like Android TV. Well, I, I think the real key uh, there is is kind of what we're seeing in in the smart home space now is there was really a value proposition that drove it. You know that that tight partnership that they had with Netflix was a great one. I mean, I I'd worked with Netflix years before that when you know it, we determined uh, you know together that it was too early to do some of those streaming services just because you know the costs weren't there. Um, but that that I think really started the overall. You know, avalanche of services and value of, of bringing connectivity into it to to a point where it's ubiquitous today. All right, Mike, you are out there talking to probably everyone who's who wants to create a smart home service and brand. You're talking to people who are probably going to roll some really interesting stuff out over the next twelve months. What are some exciting things we can uh, we expect this year? And what are some things that may be even more exciting in 2015? Well, you know, I have to be careful I, I <laughs> without I without but, revealing names but, and too much. <laughs> but but what what I think you'll see is um, big name brands, you know, household brands in in almost every category entering this space with compelling products, um, tons of interesting new services being added on, not just devices, but but cloud services and other integrations that are pretty exciting. Um, clearly a, a broad proliferation of apps. You know, I think, you know, there will continue to be, uh, you know, crowdfunded startups that launch and only have iPhone apps or, you know, and, you know, a year later show up with an Android app and so on. But I think what, what you'll see is with these big players, really broad app proliferation. So every platform at launch, including watches, including cars, including TV sets, you know, because that, that way people are using this, everywhere and all the time. Um, so, you know, for us, it'll be a very exciting, you know, uh, uh, time over the next 12 to 18 months as we see these, these folks enter. Um, and clearly not just in the U.S. market, but this, this is really clearly a worldwide phenomenon we're seeing. Hey, well, Mike Harris was on off. I've always enjoyed talking to you. And uh, people can find out more about Zonoff at zonoff.com, correct? That's correct. Thanks for joining me, man. Hey, thanks so much. That's my conversation with Mike Harris from Zonoff. I hope you enjoyed that and learned a little bit about what they're doing uh, to power 
some of these smart home solutions and learn a little bit from Mike, who's been in the industry for some time. Hey, thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you listen to future smart home shows by just going to technology.fm, finding out where to subscribe there. Just look for us in uh, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, the usual places. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon.